This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. The sound of the coffer. This is my coffer. Imagine you're living in the 1500s, somewhere over, you know, in, in Rome, in Europe, and uh, you're just walking around the street. Uh, you would hear the sound of the coffer, and the sound of the coffer would sound something like this. Are you with me? Mm. And perhaps you'd be walk down the street a little more, and you would hear, you'd you'd walk down the street a little more, and you'd hear more sounds. You'd hear more sounds. Uh, you'd hear more sounds of the coffer. Let's hear it. Can you picture yourself in Europe in the 1500s? No running water, no electricity. Can you, can you picture the sound of the coffer? The sound of the coffer. The sound of the coffer. And perhaps after people dropped their coins in the coffer, you'd hear someone say this sentence, uh, uh, a bit of propaganda, a bit of, uh, a bit of creative marketing. When the sound in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. Uh, they had street rappers, you know. Put your money in the tin, get forgiven of your sin. You know, it's like creative marketing, you know what I mean? And a man called Martin Luther thought, well, that's wrong because they were selling the ability to have your sins forgiven so that your soul could spring from this place called purgatory, so that, you know, the place where God, you know, cleanses you of your sin. But if, if you paid, you could get out of that place quicker and easier. Some mob bosses would even pay before they committed their sins, as in, we know what we're doing tonight, boys. Go and put $1,000 in the coffer. Now, we're doing this to build St. Peter's Basilica, a very beautiful building. But a man called Martin Luther uh, decided that sounds wrong. You cannot pay for the forgiveness or the cleansing of sin. And so Martin Luther wrote his 95 thesis, his list of, list of, list of what everything wrong with the church, and uh, he got that out into the world, and, and the church was never the same. Uh, today, the Catholic Church no longer sell indulgences. That's not a thing they do. If you ask the Lutherans and the Catholics, they meet every year and they go over their, well, I guess you say their documents of belief, and the Lutherans and the Catholics generally believe about 80% of the same stuff, barring things about uh, saints and barring things about uh, uh, the Mother Mary. Uh, but generally, we agree with the same stuff, and they no longer sell forgiveness of sins. But in the 1500s, it was easy to get the Word of God wrong. And it's easy for us too. It is easy to get things wrong. For example, if you're new to church or you've just been here a few times or maybe you never stepped foot in a church your whole life, let me tell you some things that aren't in the Bible. Adam and Eve never ate an apple. It was just a fruit. Could have been a boysenberry. 
or a grape. That would tempt me. I have grapes my favorite. Maybe a watermelon. <laughs> Imagine that, the, the fruit of temptation, a watermelon. It's a, it's a boiling hot day in the garden, and you're just looking at the watermelon. It's like, that is so juicy. And it says on it, seedless, seedless. And you're like, I don't even have to spit out the seeds. God, then a snake comes along. Taste this beautiful there was there, Uh-oh. There is no apple in the Bible. Uh, Christmas season, three wise men. Uh, we don't know how many wise men there were. So all your Christmas carols about three wise men, all your Christmas stories about three wise men, all of your nativity scenes with three wise men, not in the Bible. Uh, perhaps, perhaps you've heard this advice. Maybe someone has come to you and said, I have some biblical advice for you. I have a scripture for you. And they've said something along the lines of, God helps those who help themselves. Well, this scripture, not in the Bible. Not in the Bible. Or perhaps you're trying to get your children to clean their room and you read this scripture. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Not in the Bible. It gets deeper. It can be like deep-rooted beliefs. Uh, in the Christian faith, there's so many denominations. We all believe different things. A Baptist church teaches that you should be baptized as an adult in full immersion. But other Protestant uh, denominations, like Lutherans, preach that you can get sprinkled on your head as a baby. Regardless of what I believe, well, one of us is wrong. It's just the Bible is not ex- so explicitly clear that 100% of Christians agree. In fact, it's 50-50 on these matters. Uh, There's even deep-rooted stuff that can come from um, anecdotal evidence. So a lot of stuff we believe about God can be anecdotal or stories we've heard. For example, um, things like, uh, can demons attach themselves to non-living inanimate objects? This would be a a question lots of Christians ask. Now, a lot of people would say, uh, yeah, sure, spirits can attach, you know, if you've got a Ouija board and you're up in your attic or you've got a crystal in your bedroom, perhaps a demon can attach themselves to that. But most of Christianity would say, well, although that may be anecdotal, it is not necessarily biblical. And you can research this for yourself. So I'm not trying to tell you, believe what I believe. I'm saying research it for yourself. But this is very clear biblical. Go to this website, look it up, give you clear biblical evidence that that idea is not biblical. It's anecdotal anecdotal the same as hereditary spirits anecdotal but not necessarily biblical so how do we find the truth how do we find the truth I guess we have to get back to the word we tell our youth to read the bible I try to say it as often as I can in a Friday night read your bible the sad part is most youth don't read at all your children may tell you they're reading their school books for their English assignment, they're secretly going to a website called Sparknotes, which just gives you a really quick summary in 100 words. <laughs> Youth don't read at all. Imagine telling them try to read this. This one's difficult. I actually have a goal to record an audio Bible one day to get the Word of God into the ears of of youth because maybe I could read it in a way that wouldn't necessarily put them to sleep. Uh, That's just a goal of mine because I believe we need to go back to the Word. You need to study this Word because this is where we ultimately find our truth. Martin Luther said, Sola Scriptura, amongst other things, God's Word alone. And I certainly trust promptings from God that I receive from the Holy Spirit. And I certainly trust the occasional prophet that gives me a word. But ultimately, I am checking everything back 
to the word of God and making sure it is in alignment. With that in mind, people often ask me, uh, what does it mean to preach a biblical sermon? A biblical sermon, a true sermon. And I've pondered that a lot. What is a biblical sermon? It's really difficult because you can imagine uh, the concept of a sermon, like a preacher getting up the front behind a pulpit, sharing for 45 minutes is not implicitly biblical in the first place. So how do you write something biblical and put it into a form that isn't necessarily biblical? Do you, mm, I'm confusing a lot of you, I'm sorry. So what is a biblical sermon? What is a biblical sermon? I, uh, I did a lot of digging this week and I went to some of my favourite preachers. And today I'm going to plagiarise a sermon. I'm going to steal one because I can't give you a very biblical sermon myself <laughs> without way too much work. So I'm deciding I'm going to plagiarise one this morning from my pa- favourite preacher. And uh, my favourite preacher, he preaches extemporaneously, which means essentially he, he preaches off the top of his head. So I'm going to read a transcript for you. And my favourite preacher uh, doesn't necessarily... Uh, quote Bible passages, so you won't necessarily need your Bibles this morning. Uh, These sermons are intended to be heard. So I'm going to plagiarise a sermon this morning from my favourite preacher. And uh, I just want you to listen. And maybe this morning we can all learn. And I'm going to aim to learn for myself. In order to do this, though, I'm going to do something completely unbiblical. To calm ourselves, to to set the tone. And I'm going to ask Caleb to put my fairy lights on. Thank you, Caleb. I'm going to ask us to dim the lights a little bit so we can all focus this morning. And I'm going to plagiarise a sermon. And maybe this morning, you and I can get something out of it. Are you ready? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn. I don't know if you're mourning this morning. For they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are followers of Jesus. When you are teased for being a Christian, be happy about it. Be glad, for great is the reward that awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. You. You are the salt of the earth. But remember, if salt loses its saltiness, what good is it? It's good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And you, you, 
Josh K, eternity. You are the light of the world. A city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, for no one lights a lamp, then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see that so one, so that everyone will praise the heavenly Father. Let your light shine. Don't misunderstood why Jesus came. He didn't come so you could throw this book away. He didn't come to abolish the law, to give it up, the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. We shouldn't ignore the Old Testament. No, he came to accomplish their purpose. He comes to accomplish this book. And I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of this book will disappear until its purpose is achieved. <laughs> From beginning to the end. So if you ignore even the least of this book and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Stay tuned. We're about to tell you God's laws. But I warn you, I warn you, this is hard ask, unless your righteousness surpasses all the teachers, all the scribes, all the Pharisees, all the best pastors, all the tele-evangelists, I tell you what, unless your righteousness surpasses all of them, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Hard word. You have heard that your ancestors were told, do not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, even if you're angry, even if you're angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, Mm, this sermon's convicting me. You're in danger of being brought before court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fire of Gehenna, the rubbish dump that sits just outside of Jerusalem. Mm. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar, if you're coming to worship at the temple, if you're coming to give something to God and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your worship, your sacrifice, your gift at the altar and go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. And when you're on way to court with your adversary, imagine that, going to court, walking alongside the very person you're in, that's intending to sue you or that you're intending to sue, as you're walking along to court, with the person you're going against, settle your differences even before you get to the court, lest your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer who will hand you over to a prison guard who will throw you in prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you've paid the last penny. <clears throat> you've heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery, but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye causes, even your good eye causes you to lust, gouge it out, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body be thrown into Gehenna. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, uh, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into Gehenna, that rubbish dump that sits outside Jerusalem. Ooh, heavy word, heavy word. And you have heard the law that says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife, and this needs a lot of context, so please go home and research this for yourself, unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery, and everyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery, needs significant amount of context and explanation, so please go and do your research. 
You've also heard our ancestors were told you may not break vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say to you, don't make any vows. Don't make any vows. Do not say, oh, I swear by heaven because heaven's God's throne. And do not say, I swear by earth because earth is his footstool. And do not say, I swear on my mother's grave because that's your mother's grave. And do not say by Jerusalem for Jerusalem is the great city of kings. And do not even say by my head, I swear on my own life for you can't turn one hair white or black. Just say a simple, yes, I will. No, I won't. Just say a simple yes, I will. No, I won't. A simple yes or no, anything beyond that is from the evil one. You have heard the law that says punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer your other cheek also. And if you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your cloak too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You have heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight both to the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there in that? For normal people do that. Non-Christians do that. Normal Christians love people who love them. Hmm. And if you're kind to only your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as the Father is perfect. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. Mm. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. Mm. For you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and the streets calling attention to their acts of charity, aka when you give, don't be like, look at me, I'm generous, look at me, I'm generous, look how much money I'm giving, look at the charities I support, look at my Instagram page, look at how much, don't, don't, don't do as the hypocrites do, no, who call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward. They have received their reward. But you, when you give to someone in need, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private to your father who sees everything and he will reward you. AKA, when you put your money in the coffer, don't even let this hand know what this hand's doing. When you pray... Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to do it publicly in synagogues so everyone can see them or on street corners. I tell you the truth, that's the reward they'll ever get. But when you pray, when you pray, when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. 
And when you pray, do not babble on like the pagans do. They think their prayers will be answered for their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need before you even ask him. Your father knows exactly what you need before you even ask him. So then pray like this. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our mistakes as we forgive those who make mistakes against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, a a spiritual practice of not eating food so that every time you get hungry, you remember God and reflect back on Him. So when you give up something for the sake of God, don't be like the hypocrites because they like to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. So when you fast and you don't eat and you, oh, look at me, I'm so hungry. Oh, this Christian life, it's so difficult. Oh, I'm doing such a good thing for God. No, when you fast, I tell you the truth, comb your hair. No, I'm already sinning. (laughs) Wash your face then no one will know your fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. Jeez, there's a lot of stuff about private life being more important than public life. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. So be careful when you accumulate your possessions, which can rust and break. Store up your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how could you stop that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other if you try to serve two masters. You cannot serve God and also be enslaved to money. You cannot serve God and also be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everything in life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and more than your body and your clothing? Look at the birds. They neither plant nor harvest nor store food in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Mm, Conviction, I took far too long picking my shirt for this morning. I picked this thick one so I could look professional for all you lovely people. Instead of a t-shirt, it was a big mistake because the aircon on wasn't on early enough. I can tell you right now, all of my worry about what shirt I would wear 
didn't add one second to my life. In fact, right now I am sweating profusely. I should have looked at the birds. They just wake up, chirp, happy. I did, did all though, wear my Crocs. So don't worry about these things saying, what, we, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These dominate our thoughts and they dominate the thoughts of even unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow brings its own worries. Monday's got its worries. Tuesday's got its worries. Wednesday, they've got their worries. So don't worry about tomorrow. No, today has enough trouble of its own. And do not judge. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others and the standard you are judging will be the same standard that you were judged. And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye? Why worry about that speck in your friend's eye that, oh, that, oh, I just wish I could change. They really need to deal with that speck in that. I really wish I could, oh. Don't worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own? Hypocrite! First, get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls and then attack you. Keep on asking. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for keep on seeking and you will find keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks the doors will be opened if you're here today with questions needs worries concerns Jesus doesn't just say, don't worry. He says, keep on asking. If you have questions too hard to bear, keep on asking. If you are looking for God, you can't seem to find him, keep on seeking. If you've been bashing down that door, trying to find what you need, keep on knocking for everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks find, and everyone who knocks the door will be opened. You parents, here we go. If your children ask for a loaf of bread, would you give them a stone? Or if they ask you for a fish, would you give them a snake? Of course not. (laughs) So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, (laughs) how much more will your heavenly father Give good gifts to those who ask him. Isn't that beautiful? You parents in the room, you know how you love your kids. When they ask you for things, you ask you for bread, you wouldn't give them a stone. How much more would the God of heaven give to you who ask when you come to him humbly as a child?
do to others what you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Do unto others as you want done to you. This summarizes all those books I told you not to throw away. Do unto others as you would have them done to you. You can only enter God's kingdom through a narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. Now I've got a song stuck in my head. (laughs) You can only enter kingdom through a narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. You can choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and few will ever find it. The gateway to heaven is narrow. If you're in the room and you're going, it's just too difficult, well, the road is difficult. But keep going. Be the few who find it. I wish, I wish it wasn't difficult, but I want to keep going because few will ever find it. Beware as false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way that they act. You can't pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Bless you, church. For I have seen good fruit come from within these four walls. I see it every Friday night. I see it every Sunday. I see it when we welcome the community in to vote. I see it, I I see it everywhere. What a good. Mm. Yes, you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Not everyone who calls out Lord, Lord, not everyone who says, not everyone singing, You are good, good, oh. Not everyone who cries out, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of the Father in heaven. And on judgment day, many will say to Jesus, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. And we performed many miracles in your name. Jesus, we did it all. We sung. Let's say me, God willing, this isn't the case. I could get to heaven and say, Jesus, I preached. Jesus, I sang. Jesus, I put up with those hundred teenagers. (laughs) Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will come into the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of the Father in heaven. But I will reply, Jesus could reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who breaks God's laws, you who never love their neighbor as their self, you who never loved me with your whole heart and never loved people. 
get away from me. Everyone then who hears the words of Jesus and does them, anyone who hears these words and does them is like a man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, but it did not fall because the house was founded on the rock. But anyone who hears these words of Jesus and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came. The winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Anyone who does these words, these words I just read, you be like a wise man Builds his house on a slab of concrete with deep, deep foundations. And, uh, well, the wind comes, the storms come, but the house stays strong. But anyone who hears these words, well, we all have now, haven't we? And does not do them. It's like a man who builds his house on sand. I'm not a builder, but I presume that these days people do build houses on sand, but they've just figured out strong ways to do that. But let's imagine you just build a house on sand with no foundation, no concrete slabs, no weight bearings, no drilling deep into the earth, and you're just, just hoping. Well, if you hear these words and you do not do them, you'd be like a man who builds his house on sand. The wind comes, the waves come, crash against the house, and it falls. Love your neighbor as yourself. Trust in Jesus. Don't do things publicly to be seen. Do them in private. It's what behind the scenes that counts. Help me, God, to live your word first and foremost. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.